Yes, you're wrong. The podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And we're your hosts, Shelby and Nat. Here to talk about another Tom Cruise movie. <laughs> he just keeps making them. And he uh, does. Yeah. No, I, uh, yeah, Top Gun has actually come up because of our Tom Cruise uh, episode. Um, and also, I feel like you watched it recently and realized you hated the movie. Yes. Why did For the happen? Tom Cruise episode. Oh, okay. It was the Tom Cruise episode. Yes. Yeah. So Top Gun, so, 1986, 85? 87? <laughs> Something in the 80s. 1986. Yes. 1986. <laughs> yes. We did the episode. We did a birthday episode. Yes. I think in the middle of the pandemic. Yes. Um, About Tom Cruise. I Tom. went and watched a ton of Tom Cruise movies. And I had never seen Top Gun. And I feel like my takeaway from watching it was I'm sort of confused as to why this is a cult classic. (laughs) I didn't find it that interesting or um, like fun of a movie. And it was just kind of like a little bit of a head scratcher for me (laughs) as to why it had a following. Uh, So coming. (laughs) I mean, it's like hypo masculine and there's like men in aviator glasses yeah but it's like as far as an action movie goes like i thought it was going to be about fighter pilots like (laughs) fighting in a war you know and it's really not it's about them like at school yeah um doing training there's not really a ton of like action in it even though it's about these you know flight simulators and whatnot and it's also not a particularly interesting like dramatic movie so i was <laughs> you know like it yeah, wasn't yeah. winning any oscars it, yeah. i feel like if you're looking for action movies it's not you know terminator or alien or something that's like new and invigorating mm-hmm. and even the action scenes that it has aren't that great um well but at the time i mean yes at the time yeah. but i i think i feel like my takeaway from watching Top Gun was like, ah, Tom Cruise is a movie star. He was at the height of his movie stardom when that movie came out. Everybody loved him. He's shirtless in various scenes. He's hot. He's young. Like, I think that that is more of the reason why it did well than quality. And the (laughs) fact that, that this second Top Gun movie has been in the ether for several years now, it got delayed because of COVID, but it, you know, we had heard about it, you know, probably even close to like when the podcast was starting. So I knew that this was coming out and was like, why is this happening? Who is asking for this? It's so much later on. It's going to probably be bad. The original wasn't even that good. And so when I got a press screening invitation to this movie, I was like, I really don't want to go see this. The only reason why I signed up to go is because there's a Lady Gaga song in it. And I was like, okay, like, let me go watch it for that. Maybe it'll get nominated for an Oscar or whatever. Yeah. Little did I know that this movie was going to be incredible and that I was going <laughs> to be obsessed with it. 
Yeah, I mean, I I think to speak to your cons- question, like the first one, it was literally just this dream of the director, like the writer and director to be like, he's like, man, what if we did Star Wars on Earth type thing? So he wanted to do like a big, like crazy fighter pilot movie. And provocatively enough, it did lead to an increase in uh military like what do we call that signups sure <laughs> volunteers <laughs> um so yeah it's much more like hoorah bravado america like it's basically a 90 minute ad for the u.s navy um congrats to them so i too did not enjoy that movie i saw it like a long time ago it's been a very long time um because like my dad loves army movies. I grew up, I probably watched it when I was like in my teens, you know? Um, and when I heard they were doing a sequel, I was like, whatever. And then we've seen this trailer for the last two years. Cause it was yes. originally meant to come out before COVID and they kept pushing it back. Um, and every time I saw the trailer, I was just like, this looks dumb. Like, it's like, okay. Like you're just doing the same movie again, but with a new cast, like, and Tom Cruise is going to jump in there and be like, I'm, I'm tried and true, Tom. I'm Maverick. It did not look appealing to me, but immediately, uh, as soon as the press embargo was up, it started getting hugely positive reviews. Like, just everyone loved it. Everyone I respected loved it. And I was like, this is very odd. I was also really confused as to if, in the before watching it, if Tom Cruise was like the lead of the movie, yeah. or if the or if it was one of those situations where it's mostly all of the new people and Tom Cruise just sort of comes at the end. Yeah. Like, is it like a scream situation? I guess we where should this have new... known because it was called Maverick, but I just didn't even think about it. <laughs> I also forgot that that was his name in the Top Gun <laughs> yeah. movie. Like, yeah. Because, yeah, I remember the trailers seeming like it was something like Independence Day 4. I mean, Independence Day 2, where it's like, Oh, yeah, the OGs are in there, but it's really just passing the baton to someone new. Yes. But no, this is, yeah, (laughs) yeah, a requel, of course. Um, But this was a Tom Cruise, like, blockbuster. It's honestly, it's his best blockbuster. He is the lead, easily. He is, it's his story start to finish. It's not like a, oh, it's like him and some, some young person who are like sharing it. It's like, no, this is Tom Cruise's movie. The kids are in it. A decent amount but it's not their story yeah no it's uh it's the biggest memorial day opening of all time beating out like pirates of the caribbean 3 or something it's made an insane amount uh, a wild amount of money 156 million over this weekend which is really unheard of especially in COVID times um and this is this is tom cruise is surprisingly enough best best event like his last his last good event was I think it was uh, War of well, the, the Worlds in 2005, well, and it only made mission, 65. The last Mission Impossible did well. The last Mission Impossible was really well-received, but it only did $62 million, um, oh, okay. in its first weekend. I gotcha. think he's more of a people-have-to-hear-word-of-mouth-if-it's-good-and-then-they'll-show-up type thing, you know? Well, he's also <laughs> a little bit of a controversial figure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's not a good guy, right? Like, we know this. He's a Scientologist. Yes. That's not a good religion. Who knows what shady things he's been involved in? I mean, let alone maybe the he's a, and of it maybe all. Maybe he's doing Mormon swinging. Yeah, he could be trying to get some of those over. Um, 
But yeah, he's kind of a weird figure. But I think something that we talked about on our episode is there's just this quality to him where you can't like look away or you you just want to keep seeing what he's going to do because he's he's committed. <laughs> I yes, there is sort of an odd fascination with him where he's so strange and this movie is so uh, like there it's such a presentation of him as an actor and as a person as like uh isn't Tom Cruise like the best, like most American, most attractive, per- like yeah. he's he's hot and he's riding a motorcycle and he's playing shirtless volleyball on the beach and it's like even though he's sixty, <laughs> he's still like one of the young whippersnappers and <laughs> it's very much sort of a vanity project I think in a lot of ways, but it's also good, which is a weird dichotomy that you kind of can't stop watching. Um. And yeah, everyone has said that this is better than the original. I also read somewhere that this is the longest time ever between a movie and like a straight sequel that's mm. not a reboot or a requel or anything. That's just like a straight up sequel. Uh, so it's odd that this would be doing so well and that so many people are going to see it. But I think that the word of mouth really helped. And I also think people going into it with a negative exp- or with lower expectations helped it do well because you thought it was going to be bad and then you're sitting there and you're like oh this is like actually a lot of fun that makes you I think that's always leads to better results than if you go into it thinking it's going to be good and it's good or you go into it thinking it's going to be good and it's less than that yeah I think a lot of things worked like the magic came together on this because there was distance so it wasn't as like it wasn't like there was a you know what do we call them suits like ceos being like we need to make sure this storyline gets in here and we get this actor yeah like it's been 36 years so there's not as much fervor around oh what worked in top gun that we can make work again because it's like the entire movie industry is so different that it's like not related in any way um so i think that allowed the creators to have a little bit more creative freedom and also since there was that time it wasn't like oh we got to get this made we got to get our money we got to just whip something together it was like oh well what could make this a compelling story and like whether or not it matches necessarily the tone of the first one like we have all the pieces that make it interesting which is fighter pilots Tom Cruise and Highway to Hell. You know, like that's <laughs> that was their recipe yeah. for success. And I think having that that distance and that time kind of allowed them to just worry about making a good movie without worrying about making it a perfect match to the first movie. I also think that they did a nice job of like pulling enough uh like they assumed that the person watching this movie had never seen the original yeah they did a very good job of like pulling clips from the original having people sort of explain the plot of the original in a way that wasn't annoying yeah so that you could go see this having never seen the first top gun and not have missed out on anything i don't think which a lot of these (laughs) Which a lot of, like, there were nods to things in the original, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of these sequels or reboots sort of get a little bit tied up in making a bunch of references to things that some people aren't going to get. And then because of that, you really limit 
the audience. Like even with the um the Many Saints of Newark, the Sopranos movie that came out last year, it's like they're referencing all of these things in the show. So if you haven't watched the show, then going to see that movie is really like stupid and pointless. It's yeah. not a good enough movie to stand alone. Where this I think is. Yeah. And they brought on the director, um, Joseph Kaczynski, who did Tron Legacy, which is another thing, um, which is more of a requel, I think. But he took the beloved cult classic Tron. I guess it's not a cult classic. It's just a classic. And rebooted it in the modern era. And that was a really well-received film. It didn't necessarily tickle my fancy because I don't. I don't know. I don't really care, but it was like a well-made film. And so I and think then he'd worked with Tom Cruise on Oblivion too. So they had yeah, like a working relationship. Which was a bad movie. So <laughs> yeah. not worth revisiting if you're curious to see what else he was up to. Um, and he also, ha- the writing was done. Um, Chris McQuarrie, Christopher McQuarrie, who does the latest Mission Impossibles, which you don't think are good, but which everyone else agrees are great films. He came in and helped with write the, um, write the screenplay um with a few other people helping out who knows how that stuff works but it was clear that and tom cruise was like yeah i don't want this to be like a numbered sequel let's just see what happens like we'll call it top gun maverick and go from there um but yeah i think it's interesting to see kind of how um it is still that like competition movie. Like the first one was about them in school and they're fighting for top dog and you have the same similar energy in the new class here, but it felt more like almost like a mission impossible movie. Like it was literally the training, (laughs) training for an impossible mission, like over and over they're told this is an impossible mission. Um, But I think it, I think it worked because like I love the mission impossible movies um, because they're exciting. They're interesting. And Tom Cruise is just so fascinating to watch, dedicate himself to these like wild stunts. Cause that's like his whole, his whole thing. And I think it worked exceptionally well with this world um, because it's so rooted in reality while also seeming so fantastical to us plebs who can't even imagine. And I think it just came together really well with his sort of (laughs) chaotic uh, body, like physicality, you know, (laughs) the it it did remind me a lot of the last Mission Impossible movie, which I did not love. But the thing I said about that is that I think it it wasn't necessarily doing anything super new or interesting it was just doing an action movie very very well so it's like okay that movie it gives you a car chase great we've seen a million car chases this isn't necessarily throwing in a lot of weird wrinkles it's just executed really well and the stunts are really well done and i think it was the same with this it's a very kind of straightforward action movie in a lot of ways. The The mission that they're doing is against a nameless <laughs> adversary who has some kind of, you know, like uranium site they have to blow up. The, the, the run that they're training for is basically a Star Wars type mission where they have <laughs> to go through, you know, fly their planes down this narrow gulch and then hit a target. Um, tiny, tiny baby target. 
there's there's the training montages. Of course, something goes wrong. The love interest with Jennifer Connelly is like straight out of a an eighties action movie. There's no like she's she not a real though. person. She's, she's gorgeous, gorgeous, and she she's has great. this. She owns this beautiful bar, and it's like a, a fun energy. But it's not like yeah. <laughs> they're giving her a lot of backstory. That they're the the father son dynamic between Tom Cruise and Miles Teller is like fairly standard. Like there's not that much stuff in here that is super new or interesting. It's just every beat is hit really well and it's made in a way that is super compelling that feels like, ah, this is a Hollywood blockbuster, like at its best. Yeah. It reminds me of something like uh, Independence Day or even Jurassic Park where it has that magic sauce of being an interesting world and having like really fun sequences. But on top of that, the characters while maybe thinly drawn still feel real and are given like space to exist in a world outside of what happens on the page. And that's something I really noticed in this movie is like, like Penny's the Jennifer Connelly's character is not a shout is not a hark back to the first movie, even though they present it as if, hit Maverick and her like they have a history but we don't know that history as viewers because it's been 36 years and of course he would have a whole other other life that we did not see in between the time of the first movie and this movie and I really found that like so fascinating and refreshing because one thing that we've become obsessed with as a society is this idea of needing a backstory and constantly needing to like explain why someone cares about something or like what drove someone somewhere or whatever and this was just like oh, they had some sort of past fling and it seems like it ended badly and they keep, they're like on again, off again, but he's always leaving. And you got everything you needed to care about them as a relationship without needing it to be like her monologuing about something for 20 minutes. You know what I mean? And like even even him having these run-ins with higher ups being like, ah, you're at it again. You, you're troublemaker. It's like, there's clearly these stories that they're referencing that we as an audience don't actually know, but it just allows it to feel more authentic as a space because it's like giving off this vibe that these have, these people have lived lives and we're just watching this tiny story of it. And so the whole backstory of, you know, Goose in the original who dies and leaves behind a son. That son grows up to be Rooster, played by Miles Teller. And Miles Teller resents Tom Cruise's Maverick because he held him back um, from Naval Academy and he feels like that was unjust. And so they're they're at odds with each other. And I thought that was like a really compelling storyline because yes, it's like, oh, this is pretty generic, like <laughs> whatever. It's not new ground. But it was like they trusted us to fill in the gaps that they didn't need a screaming match really about like going into details about it, right? They didn't need to hash it out too much. I mean, obviously we get some of that because I know the backstory, but it didn't feel like they were focused on like, okay, let's explain every single detail between this relationship because we have to like make sure our our watchers come to the same conclusion. It was like, oh, well, here's their backstory, like take it or leave it enjoy the action or don't but like it exists in this world that feels very authentic because there's so much going on yeah i think they picked enough like sort of easy story lines and archetypes that they didn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting in that regard they weren't trying to make things different just for the sake of making things different they're like okay this works we're gonna use it and we're gonna do it as well as we can the 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 fighting 
scene or like the flying scenes mm-hmm. I thought were all really intri- intriguing. The mission that they're going on like has a lot of different sort of uh steps to it that are fun to watch at various points you know tom cruise sort of has to like go in and do stuff himself because he's (laughs) the one who's gotta you know prove that it can be done which is fun the john ham character is the kind of angry overlord boss who's trying to shut him down and who Tom Cruise is constantly proving wrong, I think is like a stock character, but a fun version of a stock character. Also, I don't think that you can say enough about how impactful the music is Mm -hmm. in this movie. They have such good songs throughout it, which really bop up like the montages and Mm -hmm. everything to a whole new level. Some of them are songs from the original. Some of them are new songs. Also, I really like the new Lady Gaga song, Mm. which they... (laughs) which they have over the uh, credits, but they take that and use it as part of the score. Mm -hmm. So that is playing throughout the movie. So even though it's the credit song, when it finally gets there, it feels like it's a song that's, that has been intertwined with things and not just something that was like slapped on the (laughs) end. Like everything just feels like it was well thought out and well executed in a way that a lot of these movies feel a little bit more haphazard. Yeah, no, it's like a very well executed like spectacle. And I think a lot of that is dependent on Tom Cruise's weird obsession with like true action. Like he, he doesn't like a green screen moment. He likes to be in the plane doing uh, absolutely wild stunts and expecting you to capture it. And Obviously, the first film in the 80s was very limited on how they could capture like the essence of fighter pilots, fighter jets like this. Um, And so right off the bat with this one, with the a similar montage at the beginning set to Highway to Hell where they're flying the jets off the plane and stuff. It's all like so fascinating to watch. And yes, there is sort of this like hoorah, like (laughs) American military propaganda element to it. But something about this one felt a little bit less um on the nose because it was so mission oriented rather than like join and save us from the ruskies type you know <laughs> just well, also it's weird. sort of insulated because it's set at this school yeah. so it's more of like a it almost reminded me a little bit of kingsman the mm. the first one where you know it's like a, oh where it's this training program or even a divergent where it's all these people going through these tests and it's yeah. like, who's going to be the one who, who Team outlasts leader. everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And becomes the person who has to run this mission. And then even the mission is, it's like not against a real country. It's not, it, it feels like sort of almost oh, like it's not real, never, even though it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never mention who, what, where all the enemy pilots are fully masked up so there's no hint of what we're talking dealing with except it's Mm-mm. in the snow so the uh, i read an article that was on vulture um saying that that it's a theory that this is all tom cruise's character's death dream which i found very <laughs> intriguing so hear me out in <laughs> the the first scene of the movie is Tom Cruise like flying this new jet thing yes. and they're trying to see how fast it can go and he pushes the limit and flies it faster than he's supposed to and then the whole plane like explodes in the sky 
in a way that looks like you could not survive. But then he shows up at some diner in the middle of nowhere and is like, <laughs> with no. some soot on him and is like, I need water. Where am I? Mm. So this theory is that then he is, he dies in that crash. And that the whole rest of the movie is sort of his like dying dream of glory, where even though there's really no reason why they would bring him back for this training mission, because he is, uh, He's not well regarded in the military and presumably there are other people who are better at things than him that he has to come back and it's all sort of in this golden haze. No one's better than him. That's the point. In his mind, yes, (laughs) but like. Okay, okay, I see. Yeah, the golden haze. I can that see that. this golden haze, and that all it's him like coming back and teaching all of these young mm. bucks, and that oh, the girl of his dreams is there, and she owns this bar, and they and he <laughs> finds the glory, and he makes off, and it's redemption, and just like all of the pieces the come together in this perfect story. <laughs> and I was like, hmm, this is an intriguing theory to me. No, I disagree. I mean, that's definitely not the, the- what happened, but I was like, I. I appreciate that viewing or that reading of this film. Yeah. Well, it was, it was a lot of fun. Like everyone did a good job and all the action sequences are obviously like very edge of your seat, like classic, classic blockbuster energy. Um, And it, and it never tires out. Like it's, it goes hard even in the training to the mission, to surviving the mission, like all of that, which I really appreciated. Um, I guess one thing that I found interesting. Well, let's stick with the positive because another thing that I really, <laughs> I really liked about this movie um, was the how homoerotic it was. I mean, Everybody honestly, was it was gay. less homoerotic than the first one. I feel like, but yes. but there were some very pleasant scenes of some shirtless beach uh, football tackle wonderful Mm -hmm. moment but miles teller is looking good in this film i don't know Uh, if i like him as a human being no i think he's a bad human being and and he's creepy he gives me (laughs) creepy energy the fact that he's a movie star is shocking i think he's cooler than the is he a bad guy in this i mean not bad guy but the ego oh glenn powell yeah glenn powell Powell was energy i I love glenn powell was in scream queens and (laughs) We I and enough positive things cannot be said for Scream Queen. I think Miles Teller, you know, he's he's wearing a he has a mustache in homage to the original goose. Um he's looking good. I'll I'll just say it. Uh he has kind of a lame arc that's like, Oh, I'm scared, and then he doesn't think. But I think in the end it works out. I mean, the last thing I was thinking during this movie was like, wow, men have to go to therapy. Like these men should all be in therapy. Yes. They can't communicate anything with each other. <laughs> but baby steps, um, they really came together in a beautiful way in the end. Um, and similarly, I really liked the love story between uh, Penny, <laughs> cute, and Maverick, even though I didn't understand what was going on with the sailing, but it's fine. I'm fine with it. It's fine. Well, they had to give her something to be good <laughs> yeah, at so that she could do. sort of, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, she had great energy. I was loving her vibe. Yes, she's like very thinly drawn. And yes, this movie does not pass the Bechdel test. But I did appreciate how their love scene was like the opposite of exploitative. They don't show anything, but they still get the point across in like a really, I thought it was like a very tender kind of moment. Yes. And, I, and I think I have a lot of issue with how, the idea of usually men penciling in these 
these hardcore sex scenes, it's like, why are we doing this? Like, who is this for? And just thinking about the actors being asked to do this and the discomfort and the weirdness and like, what does it really add? Which is a a Twitter theme that gets like torn apart every few months. So I'm sure that'll be a conversation later. But I liked in this movie how it kind of proved that you don't necessarily need it, especially in a movie like this where it's literally giving nothing to the plot. But it just like showed their intimacy without ever having to show their intimacy. And it was it was cute because obviously in every other aspect of the movie, he's sort of like this hard ass who knows yeah. what he's doing and is and people are doubting him and he's like proving himself or proving them wrong. Where she is the only character who sort of like knows more than he does and yeah. is like and she and he sort of has to scramble to try to to get her. I liked when he drops her off and she just leaves the door open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I liked when All she women. forced him to like leave to leave through the window because she didn't <laughs> want her daughter to find it. Like it just had some fun little elements to it. Yeah. Even if yeah, Jennifer Connelly was a cardboard cutout basically. <laughs> she also though. looked incredible. She looked stunning. I was like I I know she usually goes for the dark brunette look, but there was something working with the highlights and the golden glow. And can we talk about the bar though? I was confused on the mechanisms of like if you like looked at your phone, then they rang this bell, and then you had to buy shots for everybody there. You put your if you put your phone on the bar, maybe it was like disrespectful or like right uh, but that i was i was like why and then also like how much that's a lot of money yeah i know and it seemed like everybody at the bar like knew that this was a thing but the bar was massive like how much does a hundred shots cost (laughs) yeah i mean it was a lot of money his card got declined he didn't have it i mean poor guy um she seemed to be doing well for herself though because she just playfully let it slide you know she had it covered well yeah because she probably makes you know (laughs) thousands of dollars every night off of forcing people to buy shots for everyone (laughs) and then also everyone at that bar would be wasted yeah you know i didn't know if it was shots i think it was a round because the guy comes up and he's like give me four beers on this guy so i think it's like a round is even more expensive (laughs) than shots Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, she's in a military base. She's in a military town. Like, that's a standard community that's built in. Like, she knows her. She she has her loyal uh, fans. So, why not do what she wants? I guess. <laughs> if you disrespect a lady in the Navy or put your phone on a bar. <laughs> I was like, is this a nod to the... I don't know. I haven't seen the original, so Can I don't you, know if that's. Well, not. they didn't have cell phones then, so what? What are you? Well, put your, I put don't your know. corded phone on the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there was a bell or a situation like that, or if the bar was originally in it, or if it was ever like spoken about. But that's neither here nor there. How did you feel about? Um, well, so Val. Kilmer, I looked up phone on the bar rule, and I'm getting nothing. Yeah, I mean, it was just a movie thing. It was just her rules. Right, but I her don't... bar, her rules. But she I was like, She didn't like it... dirty phones on her bar. She wanted people to be present in the moment, okay? This isn't your Instagram matcha bar, okay? This is just a... <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Enjoy your sing-along Fine. with your military guys, like, having a good time, cutting off the jukebox and playing playing piano. It was a moment. <laughs> Did I like Val Kilmer? Is that what you asked me? Yeah, so yes. Val Kilmer is obviously from the original film. Um, 
and he does reprise his role here. But sadly, Val Kilmer has had a rough go of it after he lost his voice to throat cancer. And so it was a nice, like, tender moment to see him in this movie because obviously he hasn't been able to act as much, if at all. And he he really propositioned for this role. And then Tom Cruise also insisted that he reprise his role. And so they give him this moment where he, as the character, also is suffering from uh, cancer and loses his voice. And so he has this heart to heart with Maverick still. And I thought it was like really tender. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, it's very sort of sweet and mostly, you know, Val Kilmer's communicating through typing, but then he does sort of, he is able to deliver like one or two lines to Maverick in a really impactful way. So I was happy to see him there, especially because I think, well, obviously Goose dies in the original, so they weren't bringing him back. There was, of course, the controversy with the woman from the original one who was like, oh yeah, they didn't even offer me the role because they didn't want someone who looked like an actual woman. They wanted someone hot. And they did get someone very hot. Yeah, it's Um, hard to argue with that. But, yeah. And then I, I was fairly confident that Meg Ryan wouldn't be showing up, although... I did sort of when they showed the flashbacks of her. Yeah. I was like, okay, maybe. But then I think they say pretty quickly that her character is also dead. Yeah. Um, And so I was like, oh, okay. But yeah, the Val Kilmer sighting was nice. I, I appreciated that he was there. And I was like, yeah, like you can find ways to give people who are disabled roles in movies. Like it's not that crazy. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it worked great. No, it did. And I think even as someone who didn't remember, like, their... I I didn't remember until looking up their, like, parallelism with him being the cocky, like... They weren't friends in the first movie until the end. And so I like that he's the guy giving advice on dealing with um, Rooster and stuff. And altogether, like, yeah, the, the plot itself, this, like... A uh, moment where Rooster realizes he can't think in a jet and all this. It's like that's less of the memorable moment than like them having to fly an F-14 suddenly. Like, like the stunts obviously outweigh the story. And that's okay because they still value the story. Like this isn't like Jurassic World where they're just like, oh, let's just... Th- throw the story out the window, throw some dinosaurs on the screen and hopefully people will show up in droves. Like they still trusted people to like come along for the ride and appreciate the, the heart and insight that went into it. And I, and I like that. And a lot of this, a lot of the press around this movie is like the return of the blockbuster and like the return of the celeb, like the superstar, the, the Hollywood movie star and like how all of this came together to get people back in theaters because of course it would like, look at this movie. But I hope that people remember that it's, it's not about just the, you know, jets and explosions, but it's like the full package has to be there. Like it has to be compelling enough. It's the story first. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And even if not like, Oh, this is such a convoluted and complex story. Like, look at this backstory. Oh my gosh, what he survived. Like, no, it's very simple, but the characters feel like authentic and they're allowed to have different interests, even if those interests are just sailing for the sake of sailing. <laughs> sailing for the sake of sailing. A classic interest to have. <laughs> a daughter who's there for some reason. I mean, there were definitely moments in this movie where I was like, what what's happening right now? Like they land and he's like, 
where's where's Penny? Why aren't why isn't she at the bar? And he's like, oh, she left. It's like why why did that matter? Because then she's just the daughter's there at the. <laughs> At the hangar, I the like next that they day. managed to get a running scene in there. I yeah. was like, "There's really <laughs> this isn't really some, a movie that lends itself to running sequences, yeah. but they they got one." Yeah, um, I do also... wish someone had died. Well, just because wow. they spent the whole time saying this is an impossible mission, we need three miracles. So the yes. odds of them getting all three miracles, like I feel like they could have killed. I feel like um, someone should have died. They could have killed b- <laughs> uh, Bill planes. Pullman's son. Yeah. <laughs> planes should have died uh exploded it would have been sad I mean, I but killed i think Ed it would have felt more realistic um the maybe that uh, lends itself to why this is a dream exactly this, exactly exactly <laughs> um also we are 100 getting a sequel to this you think yeah. yes i would say yeah which i am certainly. reticent about i mean as well as me i think it's hard to like capture lightning in a bottle and I think the thing that helped this is obviously the decades worth of distance. Um, and I don't know how many times you can tell a story about like fighter jets and have it feel like that exciting. Cause you know, like the whole point of this that they try to try to make a nod to is that, Oh yeah, we actually don't use these anymore because we have drones, which is a whole ethical yeah. discourse. They didn't unpack, but I doubt the next movie would concern itself with that. I either. feel like the next one would have to be like an actual sort of more of a mission yeah. and less of a flight school kind of thing, which I think could be but it's theoretically gun. interesting. It's the school. That's yeah, what the I name know, of but is. the but I don't think we can do another like we can't do another set of people coming to the flight school, you know? Okay, there's another mission, but this time only Rooster can fly it, but he has to train Maverick who has amnesia from surviving his the death dream mock dream yeah <laughs> i think i think the next one is like um uh it's some kind of it's like more technology it's like more futuristic technology and they sort of have to train maverick and they think maverick is sort of out because <laughs> he's too old and doesn't know and he's like no actually this old dog can learn a few new tricks that's what i think the next one <laughs> the arc of it will be i was thinking though while watching this movie because it's also a beautiful movie it is yeah that this is the type of thing that you can do with practical effects Mm -hmm. and yes this movie i'm sure was expensive but also it just looks so good and i was thinking about both men and then also uh the doctor strange movie Mm -hmm. and just when there's so much cg it and it's not realistic it just looks bad and this whole movie looked so good and obviously there are computer generated things in it but it uses so many like natural landscapes and sort of just puts the computer generated stuff over top of it i think Mm -hmm. it's not like built fully from scratch that the whole movie looks so much better and i think that i think that that's part of the reason why it's so engaging because you feel like you're watching something real that has stakes to it and when you're watching marvel movies that's not usually the case yeah there's a lot less need for cutting back and forth between like hiding stuntmen and and matching up shots because this take was better than that. Like this is longer scenes 
and most of it is just Tom Cruise grunting in a cockpit, but you like believe he's in the cockpit. Like you can see his face muscles just groaning against the weight of oh, gravity. Yeah. <laughs> and he is acting the hell out of that cockpit. So I think it does. Like obviously it expects less of your brain because it, it reads as reality because it is. And I think that makes it more enjoyable because you're not like, wait, what's happening now? Like, why are we? I just feel like so much problem with CG isn't necessarily the graphics itself, but the fact that like it's impossible to follow an action scene through because they're constantly cutting from from angle to angle to angle. Yes. Because they're just yeah. like quilting it basically. And it's in some ways it's more work to do it live but in a lot of ways i think it's actually less work because to ha- to like get a flight simulator or whatever and then just shoot these people like rolling around in it or to choreograph a fight scene and then just shoot them actually doing it like i think requires a lot fewer man hours and a lot less technology than to do the whole like graphic design aspect of it yeah, I mean, uh, they were in training, okay? They were working hard, learning how to fly, okay? Like, Tom Cruise insisted that they go through three months of training, both aerial I'm sh- aviation yes. and I'm sure uh, that underwater. I'm, <laughs> Tom definitely did. He 100%. <laughs> you know, they, they did he, do a lot insane. of the flying. And even the director or the producer was like, yeah, they had to run – they had to learn how to run the cameras because in the jets, they were like directing themselves, right? Like they, right. They were the taking care of these shots, which I think is interesting. And honestly, it does make itself like more exciting because it feels more high stakes, even though we as an audience know nothing happened because they all, you know, we didn't read about that before seeing the movie. Um, but it just feels like more edge of your seat almost. Cause it's like, Holy crap. Like this is crazy that human beings do this and that we're watching them do it actually. Mm. To a limited degree, but <laughs> we'll and then that it. Lady Gaga song, and then that Lady Gaga song. Yeah, ah. I mean, if I were to criticize this movie, um, I do think it's just like frustrating. Obviously, like we've come so far, and we're making great strides. And like, look at the first one compared to this one. But more it's... women. <laughs> well, I mean, there is one more woman. I, I guess two with the love interest. But it just feels like. Um, diversity is getting like pigeonholed into these weird like side characters that we're supposed to be grateful for even though most obviously not rooster because he's literally a child in the first one who we see is clearly white but it just seems like it's frustrating to watch these movies and maybe it's coming off of our men discourse too where it's like this man made the movie asked men to help with the movie no women were involved in the movie so it's like maybe we can do better like just trusting that you know, John Hamm's character, he could have been anyone else. John Hamm could have been the, like, token, I don't know, friend in the background who's giving serious nods and telling him to. it was a rhetorical question or whatever. Like, I just think there's there's a way that, like, tokenism has just allowed people to get off the hook of actually caring about, like, casting um diversity and instead it's like oh we'll just write like a whole slew of extra characters that'll be diverse and that'll be like the fit so well, i don't know i just something i thought the most interesting or the weirdest part was the fact that manny jacinto is in this who is like a well-known actor and i guess since this movie was made a while ago maybe he was less famous 
then. Um, because he's in the good place. He's in yes. this? Yes. Where? He's one he's one of the like twelve Is candidates or whatever. <laughs> but so he's funny. really so when he walks in, I was like, oh, and then it's like he has no character arc in it. Yeah, that's interesting. Which I was confused by. But yeah, there's there's twelve people who are vying for these spots in Tom Cruise's mission and only one of them is a girl the there is almost all of them are people of color except for yes main dudes (laughs) right but those are the minor characters like (laughs) like um glenn powell and miles teller and lewis pullman are like the three major ones and they're all the white guys yeah (laughs) so yes we could we we could spice that up a bit yeah, I mean, so hopefully, you know, if there's a sequel, um, they'll be given a little more to do than just Tom, clapping Tom each other Cruise's the death dream is a little bit yeah, white walk. I don't know what Scientology's doing to your dream characters, but something's got to change. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I I also felt like we could have used more women. Yeah. I was like, if there's twelve, like we can have more than one who's a girl, right? Yeah, yeah especially since Manny just seemed to was there, and I didn't even notice him. There could have been another woman there, and I she could have just done nothing, and I would have been uh, fine. And I don't know Monica Babaro, who's the girl. I guess she's on. Um, she was on that show Unreal, but I didn't. Mm, interesting. I don't remember. Yeah, I didn't watch that. I didn't recognize her. Yeah, there's a the guy from um, Insecure who's very handsome, so I was welcoming that. Um, yeah, like it's a good cast, and it also felt like just. It wasn't like too caught up in its own star power, which I think some no. of these sequely ones especially can be when they're doing like a lot of cameos yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This one felt very secure in it existing in the world without owing everything to the original. So it felt like it, you know, there was enough like new characters that still had relationships with this person and I really liked that. I really liked that there was stuff implied that we never had to know about. It just felt so refreshing to me. It worked well in a way, in a similar way that I feel like the first new Halloween movie worked Mm. well, or like the new Scream movie I thought worked well, in that it is like a sequel, but it also is a standalone movie that you don't need to have seen other things for. Um, But yeah, anything else on this? Um, No, I mean, a pleasant surprise. I think this was one that you weren't looking forward to on our... No. On our year roundup. No. So love to but see that. <laughs> whenever we get to our uh halfway top tens, this will probably be on mine. So yeah. <laughs> we'll get to talk about this movie again. And maybe yeah. in the Oscar conversation, we'll see. People were saying, no. Oh, this will be best picture. I was like, absolutely, absolutely not. not. But I could see, I mean, with the Lady Gaga song, with some of the like visual effects and things, yeah. you never know. Yeah, this is a blockbuster, and it's okay to have blockbusters. It's okay to have a summer flick. You know, like I love me an Independence Day. I love Jurassic Park. These don't have to be like Academy Award winners. They're just fun movies, but they don't have to be dumb movies. Yes. Yeah. And we do have a new Jurassic Park movie coming out soon, which (laughs) is going to be a dumb movie. So it's going to be dumb. Hopefully a little fun, but I doubt it. And it will really be full circle because our first ever episode was on Jurassic, the last Jurassic Park movie. And we did not think it would take, what, (laughs) 17 years to get the next one? But here we are. Coming soon to a theater near you.
<sighs> okay, well, next week we're talking about the Mormon show, <laughs> Under the Banner of Heaven, which I am very excited to talk to Shelby yeah, about yeah. and get all of her inside Mormon scoop on, you know, sex parties <laughs> and coffee and weird underwear yeah. and murdering your sister-in-law, no. <laughs> all kinds of good stuff. Um, but in the meantime, you can follow us on social media, leave us a review, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.